I don't like PG thing. I think the Lakers Twitter thing is because he didn't come to the Lakers after publicly flirting with them. And Lakers fans think it's their birthright to get every free agent. Um, which, luckily, Clippers Twitter is slowly turning into that. And I'm very excited about it. I'm really... I'm, I just, I'm not. <laughs> I just want the photoshops. That's all I want. I just want the photoshops. It doesn't... like. I don't need the real... I, I hope it's tongue-in-cheek. I don't need it to be actually how we think about things. But I just want the next... 18 months to be Giannis in a Clippers jersey on everybody's timeline. That's all I want. I mean, as long as clutch points exist, we'll get some kind of amazing Photoshop. No, but that's going to be, yeah, that's going to be like Giannis on, on the front of a, of a pirate ship with like a sword for, because for some reason a Clipper is now a pirate as, ship. as a centaur. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and also a cop for some reason. I don't know. It'll be weird. Um, so, uh, we are recording this after game four. Um, as you can tell, we're super fired up by the 96-85 Clippers victory. Hey, you uh, know that's my kind of basketball. Huh? I said, you know that's my 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 particular brand of basketball. Oh, right yeah. Now. Yeah, Brian loves the rock fights. Um, Love a slugfest. That's right. Uh, well, I mean, the positives of tonight, um, the Clippers came out looking amazing defensively and they they actually held up the defensive end for the majority of the game. It wasn't perfect, but I don't think any team is ever going to be perfect for a full, you know, 48, but um it was really nice to see him come out and and take the Nuggets 100% seriously at least for that first quarter and and it was good to see them keep it up, I guess. But I mean, at the same point you and I are kind of in, in the same boat of we've now even like we've now lost interest in this series because yeah it's it's gone the way that we kind of wanted it to. We were both kind of angry after game three. Like we can talk about that in a little bit, but it it's probably going to be over relatively soon. I mean, I don't want to jinx the team, but it looks like we're headed towards either Clippers in five or Clippers in six. Like I don't, I don't see the nuggets beating us three times in a row. It's, it's funny. Like you and I were kind of texting in the fourth, like I'm bored with this game. Yeah. I'm <laughs> like, just over it. Like, yeah. Can we, can we just skip to the end? I'm, I'm bored already. Yeah. Um, I think part of that too was just, so you're talking about how good they were in the first quarter, which I've, I have to be honest, I did not watch the first quarter of the game tonight <laughs> because I was so enthralled with one of the best playoff basketball games I've seen in a long time yeah. between the Toronto Raptors and the Boston Celtics. And that was so exciting and, and, you know, goes to double overtime and it's this elimination game and it's like, Oh, like it, it's just so intense and everything you want out of playoff basketball. And then I switch over to this Clippers game and the Clippers are up 16 and I'm kind of like, Oh, quite the opposite of what I just yeah. got done watching. What, what's, um, what's crazy about it too is like, the Clippers could have been up 25 in that first yeah. quarter. They just, I mean, not just that the Nuggets scored 12 points, but the Clippers didn't shoot well. They missed open looks um, and just didn't really capitalize on the fact that they had totally dragged the Nuggets into the mud. Um, right. And that's why the game, I mean, the box, the end score doesn't really reflect 100% sort of how the game felt. It felt like the Clippers were in control. There were a couple times where maybe it slipped a little bit and I was like, oh man, here come the Nuggets. They even tied it at one point, I think in the second half, but I was never worried. You know, I was never like this game 
could really truly get away from us. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about the series. And that's how I kind of felt about the series to begin with. Very different. Like, like you said, like you, I think they brought it, what is close to four, five. They tied it. I think they tied it in the second oh, they did. I mean, it. in the second okay. half. See, yeah. that's, that's how, that's how much we were paying attention. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like even then it wasn't, it didn't feel stressful. Like game three was stressful, Yeah. but, uh, this game four was just like, okay. Like even when it was tied, it was just, and I think part of it is just how strong they came out and like showed the capabilities defensively of what they can do. That it was one of those things where I was like, okay, you're just gonna, I'm like, I don't know. I'm starting to fully buy into the Clippers have a switch. Yeah. They can hit thing. You know what I mean? Like, like there've been performances where I'm just like this fucking team again, you know? And then, Mm -hmm. and then, performances where it's like wow that's really good but the more i'm watching this team in the playoffs the more i'm like oh they just have that switch and it's frustrating that that switch isn't on all the time right because you'd like to see them just beginning to end dominate but like you said it's it's a game like it nobody does that in a game it it, you're always going to have a run from somebody but even when the nuggets kind of came back it's still and you could even see it in in Denver, like in the players' faces. I don't think they were, were very confident yeah. in getting it as close as they did. Like even when it was tied, you can still kind of see them. Like they all look defeated, man. They looked, they looked defeated exhausted. at the end of the yeah, yeah. And and I wonder if that seven game series is finally catching up to them. You yeah, know, like that. What obviously the Clippers punched them really hard in that first game. Mm-hmm. But I think now we're really starting to see the effects of like what a seven game series does to a team, right. especially on this like bubble schedule where you're playing every other day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it's part of that. I also think it's just like the talent gap between these two teams. I, I don't think that Denver is bad. You and I had a, had an interesting exchange after game three where I kind of went on a rant in our group chat. Um, and part of that Breaking rant news, was about dude. how low leverage Denver is. And I think that People like hearing me say that are like, oh, what a douche. Like they're calling it to you. But it's true. Like <laughs> I I don't see who on that team is a is a high leverage Western Conference Finals finals type of player. You want it to be Jokic, you want it to be Murray. They're young. They're a very young team. We don't know who it is on that team yet who's going to be that high leverage. We're not fucking losing this type of guy. And I just don't see them having that guy and so going into the series i thought it was always going to be clippers in five because even if they keep it close even if they you know withstand whatever punch the clippers throw and like we have Kawhi leonard and we have paul george and these are two guys that can get it done we even have lou williams who can kind of get it done you know on the other end we have pat beverly who's a winning player we have the emergence of avica zubats who's amazing I mean, he's he's really showing exactly what we've all been so excited about. And so I don't know, man, like it's hard. I think you and I would loaf too, you know, if we knew we were overqualified. That sounds so mean to say. But if we knew we were overqualified for something, we're not going to go out there and give it 110 percent every time <laughs> if we know that we can wait and do it the last minute. It's, it's like my college career. I never did anything until I had to. And I got I got away with it. That's like me at work now. My boss is like, Brian, how come you're not doing shit? I'm like, I'm overqualified. I mean, what do you want from me right now, dude? 
That's right, dude. I'll get it done in the end. Yeah. <laughs> Pay me um, more and promote me and maybe I'll try more. No. <laughs> so there's one thing that I want to address that, that we didn't even touch at the top here. And uh, we are covering the first four games of the series yeah. rather than doing the two game coverage that we had promised. Um, and so I feel like we should address that. Uh, happy birthday, Joseph. Oh, thanks, you man. Had, you had a birthday, which uh, which threw a fucking monkey wrench into our whole uh, our whole schedule here. But no, man, very happy birthday. Thanks, man. Uh, how weird is it for you watching basketball your birthday weekend? Um, it's very strange. I'm usually... <laughs> so like the stress of it, I'm used to because I'm a big baseball fan. And like September is when I start to get anxious about the playoffs for the Dodgers. Luckily, my birthday's not in October, or else I'd have canceled my birthday like eight times already. <laughs> um, but it's weird, dude. It's just weird having all these sports happening at once. You know, yeah. uh, you know, I, I put it all on my calendar, and it's like I've got four games to watch today, and two of them are happening at the same time. You know, it's just it's been wild. It's so wild. Um, but like you said, we're, we're covering all four games. So, like, what's what's your big takeaway? I was thinking about this actually during tonight's game. There's been this odd emergence of a new rival um, that I guess it started in game two, but it's really kind of shown itself in games three and four. And that's between Doc Rivers and the I want the challenge call Pat Beverly. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> it's been hilarious watching this weird dynamic of Pat just like, furiously wanting a challenge yeah. every single time. And then I love when you get the camera angle on the broadcast where you can see Doc through that whole exchange because like Doc doesn't like to make eye contact with them when he's yeah. doing that. He just kind of keeps looking forward and like nods his head like, yeah, no, it's okay, man. Don't don't worry about it right now. But um, no, I mean, actually on the topic of Doc, I feel like he's kind of come around, especially here in game four. Yeah. Um, his his rotations and adjustments were great in game four. Yeah. Great. Um, I don't really have too much to complain about. Uh, and, you know, we, we've we've harped on on Trez. And while he wasn't amazing in game four, I felt that it was his best game of the series easily, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, even just on. You know, obviously he had what, like 15 and four. Um, yeah. I'm not looking at the box score right now, but um, not only the points that he scored, which it was great to see him be able to finish at the rim again. But, you know, we, we've we've complained a lot about his defense in the bubble specifically, like especially yeah. in the playoffs. But he at least was trying, and and he even had some possessions where he was guarding Jokic, where I was like, "Hey, that was that's the best way you can try to defend a guy yeah. who's you know two and a half feet taller than you are." Yeah, and and he he was putting in effort, and we can talk. I mean, we can get into Game Three right now because that was a big issue. And you know, I think uh, was it Lucas Hahn that wrote an article after Game Three that basically just called him lazy. It was like he's being lazy. He's not. Well, he is. He yeah, is. and and you know, obviously he's going to be outsized in a lot of these matchups, and we we would like to see him rebound a little more. But my thing with Trez, and, and I think we touched on this in the last episode, in the regular season, even when he's not grabbing every rebound, 
he was still one of the league leaders in box outs, box outs. And um, he wasn't even doing that that much. And especially in games two and three, where he just kind of watched the ball bounce around until somebody on Denver grabbed it. And tonight, game four, I definitely saw a little more effort on that. Um, he was definitely trying for those, you know, offensive boards, especially, which is what I want from this guy is try to get some of those second chance opportunities. There's obviously going to be longer arms around you, but you know, I want trust having that out to the three point line to see if one of the guards can grab it and, and try to make something happen off of a missed shot. Yeah. I mean, his best game was tonight. I mean, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't even good. He was fine. Um, to touch on the first point, which is Doc's rotations, I applaud him. He has taken Reggie out. Um, he was out of the rotation completely tonight. He has been weaned out of the rotation throughout this series. Um, they basically went with the suggestion, or not my suggestion, my hope. I suggested <laughs> it on Twitter. I didn't suggest it to Doc, so it's not like he like listened to me. Oh, avid uh, listener. He's an yeah, avid, avid listener. Avid listener Doc. Uh, I'm sorry about the rant. Um, but you know, they, they started bringing Shamit off the bench first to give Beverly his first sort of spell. But then what he did tonight is instead of going to Reggie at the end of that, he put Pat back in. So I love that actually. And I think that that should be how the rotation sits moving forward. Even as Pat gets more and more minutes that those should be the two guys who are, you know, that sort of lead guard. And then when Lou comes in, Lou does the bench minutes thing. Lou was amazing in game three. Um, I thought he, he played pretty well tonight. Um, his shot wasn't there, but his effort defensively has been great. I know Russo wrote an entire article about his defensive effort in game three. It really helped us get get back into the game, which is an insane thing to say. Um, but to go back on the Trez thing, he only had two rebounds tonight. I know you keep bringing up the box out thing. He, he does that. That's fine. He does not compete on the boards as well as he should. There were uh, multiple times tonight where... You know, he either has a bad closeout or, you know, he's late on a rotation and then the guy misses the shot and then he just stands there and he doesn't go get the ball. And he does, he's done that far too often in the playoffs. I feel like that's something that's been sort of an issue all year. Um, I think that as we've talked about, he's a guy where when his offense is going, his effort goes up and when his offense isn't go going, his effort goes down and when you make as many mistakes as he does in general, you can't then not have any effort. And so that's why it's been so bad over the first, you know, few games of the playoffs. He he gave a little bit more effort tonight, but he was the only rotation player who was a negative and plus minus. He was the only one. Um he still, you know, he played 18 minutes. I personally think that's six minutes too many. I, I think that Zoo needs to be playing 35 minutes a night. You know, he needs to be getting the lion's share of that center rotation because Trez, A, I don't think is 100% ready. He looked better offensively tonight. So, like, it wasn't a total loss. But Denver went on that run at the end to kind of cut it because Harrell was left in three minutes too long. You know, eight minute mark, he's still in there. Six minute mark, he's still in there. It wasn't until I think like the four minute mark that Doc got Zoo back in the game. And that was kind of when the game was maybe in the balance. Maybe they could make a final run. And that's the only critique I have left of Doc's rotation is Jamichael. Well, that and Jamichael is not getting enough run with the starters. He's just not. He's tethered to Trez. I don't get it. 
Um, if you look at his plus minus stuff, it's really bad. But like, it also I think hurts him offensively because the Clippers are really trying to f- like funnel the offense through Trez to get him going, and it's just too much. Like, it's just it's too much to do that when it's not working. Like, you have to right. just cut your losses, you know. So I'd like to see his minutes shrink a little bit. I'd like to see him deployed in short stretches. Maybe, you know, run a few pick and rolls with, with Lou. You mentioned it looked like they were doing that more. I noticed that they did that a couple times and it worked. Um, do that more often. Don't just try to dump it into Trez in the post because it's not going to go well. Um, well, yeah, and that was, that was the whole bread and butter for that duo last season was the Lou-Trez pick and roll. And part of it, and we talked about this, man, I don't know, episodes ago, way earlier in the season, before lockdown and all of that happened, was that what made that pick and roll so deadly last year was Trez's ability to pass out of the short roll when he didn't have, you know, a clear lane to the rim. And and that was what we saw kind of disappear this year. And that was like the maddening part was like, you have got like so many times he would be barreling to the rim with like three defenders collapsing on him mm-hmm. and Shamit's wide open in the corner. Um, we saw him change that a little bit, especially after the all-star break where he, we, I, I think we saw him start to pass out of it a little more, but I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think doc is learning and, and I, you know, as much as we want to see doc make these drastic changes, I think part of what makes doc an effective coach is, is his ability to connect with his players. And so I think he's like stepping it down phase mm-hmm. by phase like he definitely played less in game four than he did in game three right yeah i'm talking about trez um and he was more effective in that and it's kind of into what you're saying where it's these shorter bursts right and trez is that great energy guy mm-hmm. and can throw you for a loop and, and this was our whole problem with him playing 16 minutes straight to lose games was not only would he get tired but teams could adjust to it yeah if you have it in shorter stretches it's this chaotic you know several minutes where you're just like fuck how do i adjust to what's happening right Right. now and then zoo comes back in makes you uncomfortable and then you have another burst of of trez i think ideally that's the best way to be playing him and i think that we saw it a little bit here i think doc is still kind of figuring it out but i mean you know you brought up the fact that he didn't play reggie at all like and this was something we had talked about on the episode when we had ryan and garrett on is like when does the rotation shrink? When yeah. do we start to see guys get cut out? And this feels like this is the turning point. And based off of, you know, what we saw tonight and how well the Clippers played, I think that's going to be kind of it going forward. You yeah. you can't really argue with the outcome of shrinking up your rotation a little bit when even when you're tied, you feel confident in winning the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah. let's, I, I kind of want to let, Let's talk about game three a little bit because that was one. I mean, the Clippers won that game and it wasn't, uh, what was the final score in that game? Uh, 113 to 107. Okay. It didn't feel like a 113 to 107 game. Uh, that game was extremely stressful, minus the like s- second half of the fourth quarter, right? Like when the Clippers were finally like, all right fine we're we're done we're gonna take this over we'll be the team we're supposed to be those first three quarters man i mean what what did you see in that game well you and i had talked a little bit about it but what was kind of driving you crazy on that one um i think 
uh, did he go to Reggie Lutrez? I can't remember if he went to that. He did, right? Yeah. yeah. And so that hopefully was like the final straw. Uh, I know he was doing it to try to steal some minutes for his guards, but um, what was most frustrating to me, and I reached out to a few people about this, is just like in that moment, it felt like he's never going to learn. I'm referring to Doc. Yeah. He's never going to learn, you know, and it was just like time after time after time in these playoffs. Doc has looked at a game that's hanging in the balance, right? And instead of going, okay, I've got to ride my horses, like I've got to ride the guys that got us here, he goes to this bench trio that he's trying to get going, that he, you know, he's trying to steal minutes, all that stuff. And it literally has never worked. Like, not once has it been a positive lineup. It's been bad every time he's gone to it. And right. so I got frustrated because it looked like we were going to lose the game. And honestly, I, if we had lost that game, I was going to be worried about the series only in that I would feel like the Clippers would get frustrated. And that's that wouldn't have been good. And... While I would have thought that, you know, the talent would have carried them maybe to win the series, that series, this series should have never gone seven games. And I think that if it, if we lose game two, it at least has to go to seven games. And that's just a problem, you know? Um, and, and for it to sort of fall in the same pattern of, okay, they come out hot. Okay. The defense maybe wasn't great, but our offense kept us in it. All right. Here's our worst lineup let's make our starters dig themselves out of a hole. Right. And that that's just, it's an unfair position to put your players in. And I got worried at the end when, you know, Zoo fouled out. A couple of those calls were, were ticky-tack calls and all that other stuff. And he went to Trez instead of Jamichael. I didn't know at the time that Jamichael had, you know, hurt his ankle or knee or whatever it was. I still don't know what exactly happened. Um, yeah, so, something, something below the waist. Yeah. But it's like, I was mad with the process and I was mad because I felt like, you know, Doc wasn't going to get it. And I've always been confident with the talent. I think that that's showing now, you know, more than it did, you know, before. And like, yeah, they're the most talented team. And yeah, they do have that switch like you were talking about. They do. And part of the problem, I think, has been when you know you're that good and you know that your opponent can't really push you, like, if you try, they can't really push you if you try. Right. You don't have the best effort. And that's a problem in and of itself. And I put a lot of that on Doc. Um, but that I think that was what was most frustrating about game three is like after game two, where Kawhi had a terrible game, we were still kind of in it, but it was just like an effort thing. Like the effort wasn't there. Um, and then to come out in game three and have the same problem and then have the same coaching problems. It was like, dude, are, there, are we ever going to fucking figure this out? Uh, right. Because if we don't figure it out, we're in trouble. Um, and I think we did. I mean, I think tonight kind of shows that we did. So I think a little bit of the wind is out of my sails on that one, but I was pretty right. pissed. No, no, no. I was pretty pissed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, th I think the 48 hours has kind of calmed us both down, but it was one of those just in, like the zoo fouling out was, was a big one for me. Yeah. Um, some of the positives though, that I kind of want to talk, touch on, especially with these last two games. So in game three, 
Kawhi struggled with his shot a little bit, especially from deep. Yeah, I think he was like one of six in game three, but he had 14 rebounds in that game. Yeah, and it's just one of those things where like Kawhi is just so good at whatever he wants. Like, if one of the facets of his game or, or areas of his game is struggling, he's just like, okay, I have these other amazing things that I can go focus on. Yeah. And for that game, it was his rebound, 14 rebounds for Kawhi Leonard. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, he was really good, you know, and then defensively too, it didn't really show up. I think he had like one or two steals in that game, but he was just making everybody think twice. Anytime he mm-hmm. was in front of them, his, his presence is fantastic. And then Paul George in game three was so good. Uh, I think he was five of seven from deep yeah. in that game. Um, he was fantastic. He had 42, 41. Again, I don't have the box score. I'm no, just, I, have, I don't think it was 40. I think he had like 30 points. Okay. But yeah, I mean, just, and, and we talked about this in the preview is he, he had 30, for whatever reason, 32, 32 and 40 minutes. Yeah. Yes. I just pulled it up. Um, he loves this matchup. And part of it is, I think that they kind of overshow a little bit on Kawhi. Yeah. And, try to double him and when that happens paul george is going to find his shots yeah. um and tonight he didn't shoot as well from deep but paul george was everywhere else on the floor mm-hmm. um and i feel like this is the playoff thing that we wanted to see that made the regular season so frustrating was we weren't seeing these guys do all the other things right like that, yeah. that's what we've always praised pat for is like pat's not going to show up on the stat sheet you know he's not going to blow your mind there but he does all the other things that affect winning and i think now we're starting to see Kawhi and pg do the same thing and if you've yeah. got those three guys not only getting their points especially well with Kawhi and pg but you've got three guys like pat now that are doing all the little things um you know just being pests uh they they've gone to the zone a couple times and Mm -hmm. and you see that denver stops passing when that happens because they're terrified of these these long-armed dudes that are just roaming around in the passing lane so like i this is the switch that that i was hoping for that we didn't see in the first round as much as we wanted to and um you know i it started in game three a little bit Mm-hmm. But game four here is like this was the playoff Clippers team that we've wanted to see. Yeah, this entire time. Yeah, I agree. And I think the issue with Paul George tonight was he was in early foul trouble. Um, he just right, couldn't get right. a rhythm at the beginning. Um, the Clippers have really struggled when he's been on the bench. Um, they've been much better with him on the floor, obviously. But I mean, even like the the bench rotation plays much better with Paul George than they do with Kawhi. Um right. which is interesting. Um cuz that wasn't the case in the in in the regular season. Um but you know I think Paul George is just fine. There was a lot of hysteria about his play. Um I think that a lot of that has to do with he's he's getting more locked in um defensively. I think that there's still a couple things I'd like him to clean up offensively, namely just his handle. When he goes behind his back, I assume every time he's going to turn it over, which I don't really understand because he can have <laughs> yeah. a really tight handle, but like it just for some reason when he goes behind his back, I feel like it's going to fly fifteen rows into the stands. Um, and you know, it's funny you're saying that. This is bringing back part of the conversation we had after Game Three, but I was just like, 
you know, I did my old man thing where I was like, stop the cute shit. Like, stop trying to do these, you right. know, fancy dribble the clock down in, you know, at the elbow shit where you keep turning the ball over. It's like, move the ball around a little yeah. bit. If you don't have the shot in front of you right then and there, pass it, move around, move off ball. And they do tonight, game four, the off ball movement was fantastic. It was much Clippers. better. Mm-hmm. And like that was, you know, we, I, I think we wanted to see a little more from Jermichael Green, but that was like the one thing that I kind of took mental note of was like, he did not stop moving off the ball. He was mm-hmm. so good. He was setting screens left and right. He he was keeping his defender. And like we saw it at the end of the game was like, they were gassed from chasing these guys around mm-hmm. the floor the entire time. Yeah. So there's, so like to kind of wrap up, I think this whole sort of thing and then we'll get into listener questions um i want to point out landry and and evita were team leaders in plus minus tonight it felt like it um when those guys are contributing and and making smart decisions this team is so much harder to beat because it, it takes them from i think like a six guy all right man we've got six fucking guys team till we now have eight nine guys that we can actually you know kind of lean on so that's really good i'm really excited about that Um, well and i'm glad that you're bringing that up because i'm just like glad that you're finally coming around to those two players that you finally see their value yeah i um it's taken me a long time to champion landry and and evita it's it's been a (laughs) long road for me and and now i finally see the light you know no i just want everybody to know i've called this i literally since this (laughs) summer since this summer when basketball stopped, I said the biggest issue I had with everything was Landry wasn't getting minutes. And it's like, it's one of those things. He was what, one for six tonight, I think, from deep. But yeah, he took good looks. He got open looks. And even better than that, the thing that I appreciate about him most is he makes good decisions. If there's a closeout and he can attack it, he does. And and just that little thing can tilt sort of the balance of the defense and open things up for everybody else. Um, well, plus he does what I was just saying with Jermichael. We're like, he does not stop moving off the ball and wears his defender down. Like it, yeah. it's got to be, it, it was the same thing. Like he reminds me a lot of JJ Redick in that sense, where mm-hmm. it's just like, you have to be absolutely exhausted at the end of a basketball game, defending those dudes because yeah. they are not the, you know, type to get into the corner and stand there and watch the play unfold and then go, all right, let me get yeah. back, you know, on the defense. Like they do not stop moving. Like he's right. in a single possession. You could see Landry like make six loops in the half court mm-hmm. <laughs> because he refuses to stand still. Yeah. And and the other thing is, is like last thing about Landry, I promise defensively, he gets a bad rap. He's not the best defender, but especially tonight, like dude, his effort is so good. It's so, so he competes on every possession and it's why I've trusted him. And I've always thought that he would, he is a playoff player because he always competes. It's not always going to be the best result. It's not, I understand that, but he is always going to give you a hundred percent. He blocked Jokic tonight. He had a key deflection, you know, late in the game. Um, when I can't remember who switched on him, but it was a mismatch and he fought through it and he tipped the ball away. Um, and those, those little things really mean a lot in in series like this and so kind of what i'm hoping is this last game has sort of solidified okay we know who our guys are um i hope that there's a little bit more tinkering just in terms of like reducing some minutes for trez deploying him a little bit better kind of shifting around how jamichael plays 
because depending on who we play in the next round, if we get there, knock on wood, you know, if we get there, either of those teams, either the Rockets or the Lakers, I think Jamichael is going to play a big role or could play a big role and is going to be super important. So finding his sort of groove um, within the rotation, I think is going to be a little better just because I'm tired of seeing him saddled to Trez and having like right. his minutes only coming in that. And when he's played with the starters, it's, it's yielded good results. And so I'd like to see that kind of happen a little bit more. Um, I got one last note, but I want to end on that. So do you have anything else that you're thinking about looking at? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the one thing that we, we kind of didn't touch on games one and two at all. And, you know, game two was the loss. Yeah. And that was, it was one of those losses that like, didn't, really i didn't care Kawhi was, it was four just, for 17 yeah and, it was yeah. he he had a super off night nobody and i mean nobody could buy a bucket in that game and or a foul denver shot yeah <laughs> yo, yeah that was that the game where Kawhi like was just getting slapped left and right yeah. in the post and he got was, stabbed yeah, yeah. and like showed the blood to the official <laughs> and they're like get back on the defense was, yeah <laughs> yeah the official like cleaned the blood off the blade and was like get on out there yeah. um no, but like, and and Denver shot 70% in that first quarter. And it was just one of those games where it was like, okay, this is just the outlier. It's yeah. not going to happen. Like, this won't happen again. Right. And that, you know, that's why game three was a little more frustrating because it was things that were avoidable and like weren't just like anomaly kind yeah. of stats. And like, if you look at, I, you know, game, game two, they the Clippers absolutely shit the bed for the first quarter and then won the next three quarters. They just, they had put a little too much shit in the bed in that first quarter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) But that was was it. It was that game literally came down to the first quarter Yeah, and it was, and it was it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just, it was wild. Like I wrote out, wrote off game one because the nuggets were exhausted. Like that's why I don't think I talk about it much. Uh, game two Clippers were still in it. You know, they won the final three quarters by 10, which doesn't mean much. If we're going to be honest, like you were right. down 20, <laughs> like winning by 10 doesn't really mean much in the grand scheme of things. Cause the nuggets were cut, you know, whatever, but I don't know, man, like these last two games kind of cemented everything that I felt the nuggets should have won game three and they didn't because the Clippers decided they didn't want to lose it. And then they went out and they won and then the Clippers kind of throttled them tonight. And they did it in spite of it being a Scott Foster game. And I don't like to complain about officials, but he he has a very clear anti-Clipper bias. And I would like to read you this stat per Justin Russo. He looked this up. Scott Foster made 14 calls tonight. All 14 were against the Clippers. <laughs> My man was in his bag tonight. One was overturned, and nine of the 14 came in the second half. It's uh, the guy. I hate that guy. I really, I don't, I don't like it when people bitch about officiating. I hate that guy. (laughs) I hate that guy. I got to say, I love the moment when um, Jokic thought that he was fouled and fell on the floor, and, uh, and Pat grabbed the ball and started to bring it up court, and Jokic got up and kind of hooked him on the neck. Yeah. And Pat like started for like a half second to react 
and then look past him and kind of walk towards the bench. Right. And Scott Foster, I could see his asshole tighten up through his eyeballs. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. he was like, he immediately tried to break up a fight that wasn't happening. And was yeah. Just freaking out. He gave eight T's to everybody. It was insane. <laughs> yeah. It was a wild, it was a wild time. Yeah. All right. Um, do you have a prediction for like the next, do you think it goes two more games? I want to say no. I want to say that the Clippers see the conference finals now. You know what I yeah. mean? It's it's a 3-1 series. They see it and they're just going to come out and and do what they did in tonight's game to to close out the series, stop playing around. Um and, you know, I think they're kind of hoping that the Rockets take another game yeah. off the Lakers so that they can buy a little more time before the next round and the easiest way to get that rest is that happening and you closing up your series in yeah. this next game. But it's also the Clippers we're talking about, right? Like we yeah. could see them come out and basically be looking too much forward to the next series yeah. and and just give us an absolute shitter. Yeah. Uh I I have a feeling that there's gonna be a motivational conversation before the game where it is gonna be that like, hey, this if you win tonight, this is history for the franchise, right? right? Because the Clippers have never, ever been to a conference final. And I think that alone will be enough to motivate them. Yeah. If they lose, if they lose game five, it'll be frustrating. Uh, if that happens, get ready for the nuclear meltdown that will be Clippers Twitter because of all the PTSD cases yeah. from that Rocket series. But I don't think it's anything like that. I think this team is way better than the, than Lob City. And if that happens, it'll just be like, God damn it. Okay, Clippers in sixth then, yeah. I guess. But I don't know. I, I just I could be I could be totally wrong, but I feel like they really showed their hand tonight in a way that like the dent the nuggets don't really have an answer to. And no. I think that yeah. if they come out and repeat it, which they should. I think they they take care of it in game five. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I have this weird feeling in my gut that they just come out and beat up the Nuggets in game five. Um, I had that feeling about tonight, too. I had this feeling like I, I wanted a blowout. It wasn't really a blowout, but it kind of felt like it, like the Nuggets didn't really have it. Um, I, I personally think it's going to be uh, we win our next game and that's it. Um I think that the the whole like it was insane how many people were talking about, you know, Clippers are up three one in the second round. What could go wrong? Blah 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 blah. <laughs> that team was captained by Chris Paul, who is an amazing basketball player, but is I can't stand the guy. Okay, I'm gonna be honest with you. I can't stand him. <laughs> and watching he's an him, amazing basketball player, but I don't like him. So that's what happened with that team. Yeah, no, but like he's amazing, but I don't like him. And he just flops games away. And we've seen him throw games away over and over again. We have. And Blake Griffin, who is my favorite Clipper of all time, who I love more than almost anyone in the whole world, and he melted down too because he was a very emotional player and this Clippers team is captained by Pat Beverly who is a Rottweiler um, and Kawhi Leonard who uh, look there are very few people I would trust with my life and like 
a very intense situation. And for some reason, I just feel like Kawhi would pick me up in his massive hands, hold me to his bosom, and just like gently carry me through whatever fire I was like, I found myself in. <laughs> so Clippers and five, dude. Like, I, I think that they do. They get the job done. Um, Can't argue with that, dude. Yeah. <laughs> So, all right, let's get to some let's get to some listener questions. Let's get to let's the joke ones first, and then we'll we'll get to the real ones later. Um, Garrett Corpening asked how many islands I own. Uh, this was in reference to my uh, zoo and Shamit tweets. I own a lot, bro. I make a lot of money. So, um, you hate me because you ain't me. You know what I'm saying? That's what the kids say, right? <laughs> so. <laughs> That's what the kids are saying 15 years ago, dude. I'm I'm a foot in the grave after this last birthday, so I'm going to start saying <laughs> shit like that more often. Um and, and then to kind you're, of you're one birthday away from uh from talking to me about chess passes. Yeah, that's right. Um and then his his second question is who is Denver's Josh Smith in in reference to um the 3-1 series that we blew against the Rockets. Brian, do you have an answer to that? For me, it would probably be Monty Morris. Um, he's a guy that hasn't really done a whole lot, but I could just see him catching heat randomly yeah. and and just absolutely torching the Clippers. So yeah. Monty Morris is is the Josh Smith in Denver for me. So I was terrified of Monty Morris before the series. I think I said, so either on Twitter or maybe on the pod too, but if they won two games, it would be because Monty Morris won one of them. And it hasn't i don't know i don't know if i just like missed all of his baskets but i almost feel like he hasn't been out there even though i know that he has which is kind of weird for me because i thought he was going to torch lou williams in that second unit sort of rotation um and so hopefully that doesn't happen i'm knocking on wood again uh the real answer is is it's tory craig in terms of the guy who you don't think is going to make six three pointers at the end of a game <laughs> right and right does right. it's tory craig um, and their, their Corey Brewer, unfortunately is hurt. Fortunately for us, but fortunately, sorry, fortunately for us, unfortunately for them, Will Barton is not there because Will Barton would be the Corey Brewer in that, that situation. Right. So, um, anyway, it's not going to happen. So let's just, let's Clipper nation, just take that thought and just put it outside of your minds because it's a totally different team. Yes. I understand doc is still there. But it's Kawhi Leonard, and Kawhi just had an incredible night where he decided we're not fucking losing to this team again, I think. So, um, second question from Robert Flom, noted um, Marcus Morris hater. He asked, <laughs> Is Jermichael Green better than Marcus Morris? Okay, so I. I am all aboard the Marcus Morris train. That's a good question, though. Like, legitimately, only because I want to see... Short answer is no. But I want to see what Jamichael looks like with Marcus Morris' yes. minutes in the starting unit. And then I think we have a legitimate conversation to be had there. Like, on paper, I do think that they kind of offer the same thing. They're both great perimeter shooters, they both are solid defenders. I n no, I I don't know. That that's a hard one to talk myself into. I think Marcus Morris is a better player. Yeah, I I 
Marcus Morris is a better shooter than Jamichael Green. Jamichael's good. He's not as good as Marcus Morris is. He just isn't. Um, Marcus Morris is more versatile defensively. Um, he's been insane this playoffs, I think, on the defensive end. He's been much better. I think, I think if you asked me this question last year, you know, maybe I would have a, well, I don't know. It's a, it's a bit of a toss-up. But like after what I've watched Marcus Morris do in this playoffs with this team, no, Marcus Morris is a more talented player than Jamichael Green. He just is. And they have different skill sets, even though they're the same size, which is a wild thing to think about. Um, yeah, that is crazy. I'd like to see them play together more, if I'm being honest with you. Um, but I also think it's hilarious that um, Bobbert said this after Jamichael had zero points, one rebound, and one shot attempt in 18 minutes tonight. <laughs> <laughs> where Marcus Morris went three for five from deep and looked good defensively. I just think I think that's a funny observation, which is great because was it uh, was it game two where Marcus Morris kind of came back to earth a little bit with mm-hmm. his shooting? Yeah, um, and it was one of those things where I was like, "All right, let's let's see, you know, what this regression looks like." But he was fantastic in the next two games. So, um, yeah, Marcus Morris is awesome. I'm sorry that that. He's not Mo Harkless, uh, but he's been fantastic for yeah, the Clippers. Yeah, he's, he's been awesome. Yeah. He's been so awesome. And I think it was, um, I think it was Lucas Hahn on Twitter to go to like the shooting coming. He's shooting wide open corner three pointers. Like that's that's what his diet has been is wide open looks. So yeah, maybe it's going to come down to earth, but also. He's shooting open jumpers. Like he should right. be hitting these at the clip that he's hitting them. Okay. So um another another one. Junior Lozano asks, which NBA player gets on your nerves? Which NBA player really gets on your nerves? Uh why don't you go first? Let me think about this one for a second. Uh Chris Paul. Just I hate I hate watch like it's the weirdest thing. He's so brilliant at basketball, and I love watching the amazing things that he does. But God damn it, every little dirty thing he does, I see it, and I hate it. I hate every second of it. And some people call it gamesmanship. I just he's an asshole, and I don't like watching him play. Okay, so I I actually, for me, and I, I don't know if I can articulate exactly why but Andre Iguodala drives me fucking crazy when I watch him I don't know what it is part of it goes back to the Warriors days yeah but it's one of the big things is like okay I know that every NBA player has never actually committed a foul in their life and they're shocked whenever they hear the whistle but it's something about Andre Iguodala's response where it's like the palms up to the heavens and just the most perplexed look on his face. Yeah, it's this like Greek tragedy like reaction every time something's called against him and it drives me crazy. And I thoroughly enjoyed this year's Memphis Grizzlies team Yeah, so much that the way he kind of handled that situation left a bad taste in my mouth and it just added to that whole thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, Justin Lerner said, will Noah get any minutes in this series? How about Patrick Patterson? And then how many texts next game? So three-parter. Uh, to, I would take the, 
What are you setting the line at? Three technicals. Both teams or just the Clippers? Both teams. Okay. Let's keep it reasonable. I would take the over just because I think we're starting to see cracks in the dam of like the uh, emotionless Jokic. Yeah. uh, Where he's normally kind of like whatever, doesn't care about calls. But I think that foul on Pat that made Scott Mm -hmm. Foster's asshole pucker up. Yeah. I think that's like the beginning of something happening. And I think he's starting to get irritated. Um, And if the Clippers come out the way that we expect them to, I think that we're going to see a very heated uh, game. Uh, I think Marcus Morris for sure will grab one just because um, anytime Marcus Morris has three wins on a team in the playoffs, uh, we, we tend to see him take a bit of an early uh, victory lap yeah, (laughs) and Uh the other team hates it. And, uh, and I I think that you're going to see Denver get pretty, pretty heated in the next game. So I would take the over on three. Uh, Well, what was the other part of the question? Uh, Do you think Noah or Patterson will get any minutes in this series? Noah, Yeah. Yeah. I, they actually activated Noah for uh, game four tonight. Oh really? Uh, And yeah. So I was like, Oh, because he's just been in street clothes this whole series, yeah. and they they actually had him listed as an active player. So I was like, oh, maybe he's gonna come in. But I think that that was just like an emergency because of the foul trouble that happened in game yeah. three. That it was just this like we might as well have this dude in a jersey just in case. Right. Uh, Patterson, I don't think sees a single minute in this series. I think they're keeping him um, in his you know hermetically sealed packaging. Uh, to crack open for when they have to face Anthony Davis in the next yeah. round. I think I think Pat Pat has been doing nothing. He hasn't been watching any of the film for the Nuggets. He hasn't he hasn't been in any <laughs> of the team meetings. He's just been in his his hotel room watching Anthony Davis film, licking his his lips, just getting ready. He's so <laughs> ready for that matchup. Just barking when, at the television. Yeah, and when and when the series starts and he gets the we, the the start in in game one and everybody's like, "What's going on?" It's going to be the moment Pat Pat has been waiting for the entire <laughs> bubble. Um, he just suddenly becomes one of the monsters. Yeah, it's actually going to be really sad when he's so excited that he just punches Anthony Davis in the face and gets ejected immediately. But. Um, it, <laughs> And then gets arrested for murder. Yeah, exactly. Uh, by Scott Foster. Anyway, he's not going to get any minutes in this series unless there's a blowout. Um, and then I think the same kind of goes with Noah. It's either just foul trouble. Like if everybody's in foul trouble, I think Doc will go to him maybe for two, three minutes to end a quarter. Um, but other than that, I mean, it's just going to be blowout stuff. And then Tex next game. I think I agree. I think that. There's going to be some frustration. I think Jamal Murray might pick one up. He's really struggled in the series. Uh, the Clippers have played amazing defense on him. I think that's part of it. I think part of it is also just him. What? Dude, he had to take a walk. He had to take a walk in the middle of the game. That's what I'm saying. Like he <laughs> yeah. he did what I do at work. I got to go for like five minutes. I can't handle this right now. And I go <laughs> and I walk outside. Um, he lit a cigarette and just walked around and smoked a cigarette in the back of the uh, tunnel. Him and Vladi Divac, um <laughs> had a heater by the dumpster, and then he came back in the game. Um, but no, I, I think that tensions are going to boil over. I think that Kawhi might get attacked in the next game if he continues to get punched in the head and doesn't get calls. I'm surprised he hasn't gotten one yet, if I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, uh, yeah. Today, at some point, he screamed where at the official when they made a call. <laughs> he like ran across the court and was like, where? And you just heard him 
going into like the corner of the arena. Um, yeah, I, I think it might get a little testy um, in game in game five. So yeah, um, that's really it. The only other thing I want to shout out City four twenty clip because he called Reggie Jackson the victory cigar today. And First of all, I think you mean Bobby Jackson. Oh yeah, OG Bobby Jackson came into the game <laughs> according to Mark Jones. Um, but yeah, he called him the victory cigar, and I think I'd like to strictly call Reggie Jackson the victory cigar from now on. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like that. All right, man. Uh, do you have anything else? No. You want to do track of the week? Yeah, let's, let's do it. it. Let's do it. All right, you go first. Okay. Um. So. I recently, there was like, this is like a thing that happens on social media where there's like some website that'll grab all of your like data off of uh, Spotify or whatever and tell you what your, you know, most listened to artists are and all of that. And one was going around recently. I didn't post it because who gives a shit, but I just looked at it to see where I was at. Um, And I loved that. Uh, it was like the most high school playlist of all time. So apparently lately I have just completely regressed to high school, Brian. And it was like AFI operation Ivy minor threat. Uh, but at the top of the list was the descendants and the song is hope. The song is hope by the descendants. Um, and I, I have a really special connection to that song just because I think it was my uncle had given me a surf video when I was a kid and we're talking like 94, 93, and that song was in there. And I loved the song every time I watched the video. And I went to a record store and sang the song to like this 16-year-old punk rock girl that was working the register. And she was like, oh, dude, that's The Descendants. And was like way stoked that like some like yeah. nerdy little kid came in looking for uh, Milo Goes to College and, and helped me buy that CD. So yeah, that's that's what it is. Descendants is one of my all-time favorite bands. Uh, they'll probably always be heavy in the rotation on that Spotify list. Wow, dude. It's awesome. Let's let's take a really harsh left turn because I've been listening <laughs> to nothing but like grime. I don't know if you know what that is. Uh mm-hmm. British yeah. hip hop. Um if if you're a hip hop head and you refuse to give grime any like spin you're really missing out because some people, yes, the accent is funny, but like <laughs> some, some of those guys are amazing. Like Stormzy is amazing. Skepta is amazing. Like the really popular guys are really, really good, but they, I don't know if it's just like summer is later over there, but bangers have been coming out. Okay. <laughs> so I've actually got three tracks that I would like everybody to go listen to. Number one is Ain't It Different by Hetty One, featuring AJ Tracy and Stormzy. Another is I Don't Know by Wayne, featuring Duchavelli and Stormzy. That one is stupid. It's so good. His name is Wayne? Yes, Wayne. Not Lil Wayne. He's just like no, no, no. T- T- on Wayne. Wayne. Sorry, T on Wayne. Okay. Tian Wayne. We'll put it on the we'll put it in the thing. I'll show you what it is. No, normal ass Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> Just <right>. regular Wayne. <laughs> Medium height Wayne. Um and then the last one is Red Card by Frisco featuring Skepta, Jammer, JME, and Shorty. 
red card goes hard as well. So if you would like right. to get some really, really sick grime songs into your rotation, I suggest you listen to those. Beautiful. Um, yeah, that's we are going to add those to the uh, clip set track of the week Spotify playlist. Um, those will be added to that playlist, which if you haven't checked it out already, go check it out. It's everybody who's ever been on the show, including ours track of the week since the segment started. Uh, it's all housed in one place. I actually throw it on every now and then. I'm not going to lie. I put it on um, just when I'm driving around and there are some bangers. Yeah, and not, not just my tracks. Like, cause yeah. obviously I'm going to love my track of the weeks, but like there are a few in there that I forget other people had chosen. I'm like, Oh, this is a really, really good song. Yeah. Um, Awesome. Well, we are going to be back to our, uh, you know, playoff schedule here. Uh, hopefully we'll be doing one before two games. Um, cause there'll be some kind of like wrap up and preview that we'll, we'll have to do. But if not, if it goes to six, we're going to be back for that. Um, man, it feels good to be back. Joseph, happy birthday. Thanks, I'm glad man. you were able to, uh, to enjoy the day and, and take some time off, um, uh, and watch basketball in September, which is yeah. crazy. But, yeah. um, Yeah, we'll be back soon. Thank you, everybody, for uh, sticking with us as always. If you haven't already, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star rating. uh, Drop a quick review in there. It takes a couple seconds. Hit subscribe, tell a friend, share, wash, rinse, sanitize, repeat. And if you don't, Donald Sterling wins. And that's a goddamn thing.